Lots of changes announced this week, new restrictions, but thankfully they're not affecting us very much. You'll notice that our, our singers have to be two meters apart now instead of just one meter. We should be conscious that uh, this new variant is much more infectious, and so we sit a meter apart from each other. But apart from that, we are here together to worship God. Um, sad news this week, two more deaths in our community, our congregation. Margot Hislop passed away, Margaret's um, sister-in-law, and uh, Marge Brown in um, the Green Hills Care Home. So we remember their families and uh, their friends in our prayers this morning. You are all most welcome to worship, and we come to worship our God who gives us hope in all seasons of disruption and unknowing and confusion, and we come to celebrate that hope that he gives us. And we sing our first hymn, which is Come and Join the Celebration. Let's stand and sing with celebration in our hearts. This morning's reading, reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Thanks be to God. Any children in church this morning? We're all children at heart, but I, hopefully there are some watching on, online. Children, we come to this last song of the four songs that are sung in Luke's Christmas story. And this is a song that is sung after Jesus has been, been born. And when Mary and Joseph bring him to the temple in Jerusalem... And there in the temple, they meet a man named Simeon, and this man sings this song. A bit like musical theater, if you've ever seen musical theater. Yeah, this microphone is causing me all sorts of difficulty this morning. Uh, sorry, folks.
I think that's it. There we go. So this man, uh, they meet this man named Simeon in the temple. This man has been told by God that he won't die until he has seen the Savior. And that day in the temple, the Holy Spirit of God tells him that he's going to meet God's Messiah. He doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know how it's going to come. But God's told him that he's to be there to meet the Messiah. Now, if on Monday, if the Gillespie Center were to open on Monday, I think it's closed on Monday, but if it were open on Monday and you went and you sat in, in the Gillespie Center and God's Spirit told you that you will meet Jesus here, how are you going to know who Jesus is? Got any good ideas? You might come in with a beard, you might say. No, Jesus doesn't necessarily have a beard. He didn't have a beard when he was a baby anyway. (laughs) Flowing robes? Well, maybe Jesus wouldn't wear flowing robes this day and age. How would you know that this was Jesus when you met him? Well, You know, in the Bible, God speaks in all sorts of ways. The Spirit speaks to people in all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's a voice from heaven that people audibly hear. They hear it with their ears. That doesn't always happen. That would be quite freaky if you heard a voice, I think. Sometimes people hear God speaking through dreams. Sometimes, like Jane was just saying to me, you get this feeling in your gut. You get a feeling in your gut. That might be God speaking to you too. Sometimes God speaks through other people. They might tell you what they have heard from God. And that's probably the easiest way to hear from God. I wonder if the Holy Spirit has ever spoken to you. Sometimes it takes a bit of practice to hear God speaking. And it always takes, it always takes faith. It always takes listening and responding. I want to... I know that we're in a busy season. We're all getting ready for Christmas. We're wrapping those parcels. We're um, clicking on Amazon to order our presents. Uh, We're thinking about that meal that we've got to get ready. And we're also in a fluster over all these new regulations. And we might be worried about whether we're going to contract this, this virus and uh, not be able to see our loved ones. It's a busy time. We're hearing lots of voices. Can we just take a minute and listen for God's voice? Let's listen for God's voice. If God speaks to you, I'd like to hear what he says. Um, and come and see me. Maybe send me an email afterwards. 
But let's just take a minute and let's ask God to speak. Lord God, we know that you speak, you have spoken in the past. We know that you speak now. Help us to have quiet hearts just to listen to you speaking to us now. In Jesus' name. And we take just a minute to hear from God. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. We're going to sing God's praise with another hymn, the song, What Love My God. Let's stand and sing. So let's pray together as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord, thank you for your continued speaking. And I pray that you would speak to us now. That folks here would not hear just my voice, but hear you speaking in all those ways that you speak, prompting us to be assured of your love and to move out with that love to a world that needs it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This song that Simeon sings isn't sung at the time that we think that we think is Christmas. It happens some 30 days after Christmas. Although in the more liturgical churches like the Catholic Church and the Episcopal Church, the Christmas season doesn't start until Christmas Eve, and, and then it goes on until the beginning of February. So at least in, in that tradition, this event happens firmly within the Christmas season. The event at which this song is sung comes, as I said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The setting is the temple in Jerusalem. Mary and Joseph have come to the temple to fulfill their religious obligations according to the law of God. Mary's come to offer a sacrifice for her purification after she has given birth to a baby. And Mary and Joseph both come to offer the redemption price for the birth of their first son, as was set out in Exodus as Mary and Joseph are going about their business there in the temple, a man named Simeon steps up. He takes Jesus in his arms and he starts to sing. Think musical theater once again. 
Luke doesn't tell us much about the singer of this song. Reading this passage many times over throughout the years, I had always assumed that Simeon was old. Mainly, I assumed he was old because it says that he wasn't far off death. I also assumed Simeon was old because he is often lumped together with with Anna, Anna who appears in the next passage in Luke's gospel. Anna, we are told, is very old. We don't know much about Simeon. We don't know his occupation. We don't know where he came from or who his family were. It's possible with a name like Simeon that he he came from the tribe of Simeon, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, but we aren't explicitly told. We don't know if he was married. We don't know if he had children. All we know is that like Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, that this man, Simeon, was righteous and devout, that he was waiting for the consolation or God's comfort of the people Israel, and that he had a close relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. Now, so far in Luke's telling of the Christmas story, we have heard about the Holy Spirit several times. It's predicted that John the Baptist will be full of the Holy Spirit there in chapter 1. We're told that Mary's child will be born because the Holy Spirit will come upon her. And we're told that both Elizabeth and Zechariah are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit to say the things they say and in Zechariah's case to sing the song that that he sings. The Holy Spirit, it seems, was on the move at this very important time in history. But what Luke tells us about this man Simeon and his relationship to the Holy Spirit is unique from all the other times that we have heard about the Holy Spirit here in Luke's Christmas story. In describing Simeon, Luke tells us about Simeon's relationship with the Holy Spirit three times in as many verses. We are told that the Spirit was on him in verse 25, that the Holy Spirit revealed to him a prediction about his own life and about the coming Messiah there in verse 26. And then in verse 27, we are told that Simeon was moved by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit to come into the temple just at the right time to see the infant Jesus being brought there. Now later on, after the resurrection of Jesus, we will be told of the gift of the Holy Spirit coming on the church at Pentecost. And even later than that, the Apostle Paul will encourage all believers to be like Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Holy Spirit and his ways are mysterious. And the theology of the Holy Spirit, although worth studying, would take a lot longer than just the 20 minutes that we have 
here this morning. So today we, we won't be unpacking everything that can be said about the Holy Spirit. But what I'd like us to do is to concentrate on what it looks like for Simeon to be led by the Holy Spirit. What did it look like? What is the, the picture that we have of this relationship with the Holy Spirit? And it's my hope that as we look at that picture, it will help us to understand what it looks like for us to be inspired, to be filled, and to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. So what do we observe about Simeon's relationship with the Spirit of God? Well, the first and most obvious thing is that the Spirit spoke to Simeon. The Spirit spoke to Simeon. We know from other passages in Scripture that the Spirit speaks in lots of different ways. Furthermore, the, the, the picture that we get from the New Testament is that the Spirit not only speaks in lots of different ways, but speaks often. The Spirit speaks to every believer, we are told. Everyone who trusts in Jesus can expect for the Spirit to speak to him or her. Now, what the Spirit says to us is not always as earth-shattering as the way the Spirit spoke to Simeon or what the Spirit spoke to Simeon. When the Spirit speaks to us, it's not always a prophecy about the coming Messiah or what someone's life is going to look like from here on in. And sometimes the Spirit does speak to us in that way, and we should be open to it happening. But most of the time, the Spirit just wants to assure us of God's presence with us, to assure us of his presence and in sometimes difficult situations that we face day in and day out. And often the Spirit just wants to help us to understand and believe what we read in Holy Scripture. Occasionally the Spirit just wants to prompt us to show kindness to someone or to do some other difficult thing that we already know that we should be doing. We don't know how the Spirit spoke to Simeon. But we do know that the Spirit did speak to him. And importantly, Simeon listened to the Holy Spirit. Not only did Simeon hear the Spirit, but I think we have indication that Simeon had learned to understand the Spirit. And Simeon obeyed what the Spirit commanded him. Just look at the text. When Simeon hears the Spirit telling him that he will not die before he sees the Lord's Messiah, Simeon holds on to that promise, and he lives a life under that promise, expecting it to be fulfilled in his life. It changes his life. What the Spirit says to him 
changes his life from there on in. And when the Spirit prompts Simeon to enter the temple and when the Spirit points out this baby Jesus, Simeon responds likewise and goes to that baby. He knows that this child is to be the Messiah. And although the passage doesn't say, I think we can safely assume that what Simeon says about Jesus and about Mary at the end of our passage is prophecy that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He speaks out what he hears from God's Spirit speaking to him. The other thing that Simeon's relationship with the Holy Spirit, the other thing about Simeon's relationship with the Holy Spirit that I see here in this passage is the way that Simeon carries out his response to what he hears from God speaking. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time when I hear the term prophet, I think of someone that is wild-eyed and kooky. I had thought Simeon was a bit like that when I first approached this passage on Tuesday night. But my friends who were with me, uh, studying this passage together with me, put me right on that score. When I first read the passage, in in my mind's eye, I saw a wild-eyed old man loitering in the temple, coming up and grabbing babies until he finds the right one. And when he finds Jesus, he flings him up in the air, Lion King style, shouting his words in a loud and disturbing voice. That's what I had thought, but that isn't how it was at all. Look at the passage again. Simeon doesn't come into the temple until he is prompted. We don't even know if he had ever been in the temple before. He certainly wasn't stalking babies. Then the passage says that He took the child. He didn't grab the child. And I presume the parents gave him Jesus. Maybe Simeon politely asked them if he could bless this child. Maybe Joseph and Mary saw something special in in Simeon's demeanor. Maybe the Spirit was speaking to them too, and, and so they gave him permission to bless their child. At any rate, Simeon takes the baby gently in his arms and he begins to praise God. And I imagine at this point, Simeon isn't shouting and screaming, but he sings his song with tears of joy in his eyes. Having waited years, perhaps, for the fulfillment of this promise that he had heard from God's Holy Spirit. He sings, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Now look to the most disturbing bit of the passage at those last two verses. 
Simeon, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives a prophecy that no parent would ever want to hear. This child, according to Simeon, is going to divide the nation. Some people will love him and others will will hate him. And you, my lady, he says to Mary, you're going to have your soul pierced as with a sword. Now that's a prophecy about the controversial ministry of Jesus, about the great suffering that is to come. Again, you could read this as some wild-eyed prophecy from a kooky old man speaking in a I-told-you-so voice. But the context shows us that that isn't how it is at all. Look at how Simeon delivers this difficult message. Verse 34 says that before he ever says anything about this prophecy, he blesses them. He blesses baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. He obviously cares for these people. But even though he cares for them, the Spirit's given him something painful that they need to hear and that he needs to tell them. But I imagine that he delivers that message with compassion and sympathy. And once again, I imagine he delivers it with tears in his eyes. Not of joy this time, but of pain. And even though these painful words are the last lines that Simeon speaks, I'm sure that Simeon goes away not forgetting that the overall tenor of the coming of Jesus the Messiah is not about the pain, but it's about the hope. Simeon believes, even though by the Spirit, he knows that up ahead there will be some very painful events for Mary and Jesus and for a lot of other people. He believes in the end that God is faithful. And that in the end, the dawn of redeeming grace is going to break even through these painful events. And I think someone like me, as an activist, if I were in Simeon's shoes, I, I, I wouldn't want to say to God, dismiss me in peace. I would want to say, look, Mary, look, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to help you listen to the voice of God. I want to sort things out for you. But Simeon seems to trust God a lot more than I do. And he's able to say, despite this prophecy I have of pain ahead, I know that God has things in hand. And I can rest in peace, knowing that God is going to walk with you this painful path 
But in the end, this path will lead to redeeming grace. So what can we, the people who are asked to be filled with God's Holy Spirit, take away from the example of Simeon? Well, firstly, we should expect to hear. We should expect to hear the Spirit speak and prompt us. We should expect to hear God speaking to us every day. problem with the Spirit speaking is not that he speaks too little, but that most of us, me included, unlike Simeon, are not very good at listening. Secondly, let's learn to not just hear, but to listen and obey the Spirit. Simeon's name, I believe, comes from the Hebrew word Shema. His, his name in Hebrew is Shimon, not Simeon, but Shimon. You can hear the similarity, Shema, Shimon. Shema, that's the word that we came across when we were studying in the Old Testament, the creed that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, hear is that word Shema. Hear, O Israel, our God is the Lord, and the Lord is one. That word Shema means not just to hear with the ears, but to hear with the heart, and to not only hear, but to obey. It's through obedience, positively responding to the voice of God that Simeon became practiced at hearing God. And thirdly, let's practice our listening and responding to the Spirit in the Spirit of Christ, as Simeon did. Let's be gentle with people. Let's care for them wanting to see them blessed as Simeon did. Wanting to see them blessed even when we have a hard truth to tell them or something difficult to do for them. And finally, like Simeon, let's trust in God that though not everything we are asked to do and say will be sweetness and light, it will, if it is truly inspired by the Holy Spirit, work together into that ultimate plan to bring peace on earth. Let's trust in God that he will see things through Trust in others who can depend on God to take things forward. It's not always up to just Mike or just you. God has things in hand. He will see it through. And we can say to him at certain times in our lives, dismiss me with your peace. I am content in your love. Amen. And may God bless to us this reflection on his word. 
this morning. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we read in your word how you spoke to people like Simeon, how you fulfilled your promises to to him, how he praised you with his eyes, finally seeing the salvation that you were bringing to him and to the whole world. Lord God, we long to be people who hear your voice, who hear your promises, who take them seriously, who let them change our lives, who see them fulfilled in your good time. Lord God, shape us as a church family to be people who listen to your voice who are filled moved by your spirit and as your people we pray now for our community for people who are distressed by yet more bad news yet more impending restrictions yet more isolation from loved ones. Lord, in this season, help us to have eyes to see the needs of others. Keep us nimble in your spirit. We can go where you lead, feel what you feel, and speak your words to others. Lord, when we are given difficult words for ourselves and for others, help us to trust as Simeon trusted and deliver what you say with compassion and sincerity. Be with us now in this busy week ahead, this last week before Christmas and help us each and every one of us to carve out time of quiet and reflection help us by your spirit to be a non-anxious presence even in the storms that surround us Lord we rest in you For you are our light and our salvation. For we pray in the name of Jesus.